0: You are listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. so good to see you guys tonight. My name's Dylan. I am the young adult pastor here at Long Hollow. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to do that. So please catch me afterwards. I'd love to um, put a face with a name and get to know you a little bit. Um, tonight, as we are nearing the end of our Do Not Enter series, we're going to talk about one more topic that Pastor Robbie has covered once on a Sunday morning. We're going to try to add to that conversation and build on it. So uh, one more time, I want to push you towards the resources that we've tried to put together as a church here over the course of this past month or so so if you go to longhollow.com slash resources you can find all of that there are uh, books and some extended conversations we've had some podcasts some videos all sorts of stuff for you to check out there to try to educate yourself and see more about what god's word says about these topics we've been talking about so uh, i really want to encourage you to do that because there is no way in a 35-minute sermon that me or pastor robbie or anybody else can cover every part of these issues right Um, so we want to extend that conversation and keep learning and growing now tonight we're going to talk specifically about gender identity i mean that can feel like a place where maybe we don't want to enter into right because it feels unknown it feels so new it can feel like i don't really even understand that i can't relate to it if i don't experience it myself and i get all that i get all that but it doesn't excuse us as believers, right, to just take a pass on this conversation. We, we, don't get to, we don't get to pull that card, right? We have a duty and a responsibility to enter into the conversation because we want all people, right, to find restoration and find freedom through the blood of Jesus that we just sang about, now, uh, I think we all know that everybody's tracking everything we do online, right? Like if I, there's probably something I'll say tonight that will pop up on my phone later when I'm scrolling through Instagram. And uh, we know they're listening to us and my, every internet that I use at the moment thinks, all I'm thinking about is these topics we've been talking about. So uh, I get ads for stuff all the time. I'm like, where did this come from? But uh, the one I saw on Instagram last week actually was five things every man must own, right? Like that, of course, I'm scrolling through real quick. I need to see. I'm an 0 for 5. Uh, but the, I don't remember all five, but three of those five things were a, a multi tool for your keychain, a garment bag, whatever that is, and then a fully stocked kitchen. Now, I'm immediately thinking for one, that sounds kind of expensive to have all of those things. Um, but I don't. I live in Nashville now, and I have to wear skinny jeans. I don't want anything else on my keychain in my pocket, right? Like that's—it's uncomfortable as it is, but we do it just because we're supposed to. I don't know what a garment bag is. I don't think I own any garments, nothing that I would call a garment. And if I have a fully stocked kitchen, if, they, if the kitchen is my responsibility, I am so happy to help in the kitchen. But if the kitchen is my responsibility, as a young family, is in big trouble. Like, this is, this is not a good list for me. This sounds kind of dumb to me, right? But it also made me curious. So I go to Google, and I'm like, okay, well, what would the Internet say every man has to own, right? And I quickly, we had a list of five, and it quickly jumped to articles, as you could guess, of 19, 24, 31, 50, 56, and 101 on the first page. There are 101 things that every man should own to win at life in 2022, 101 things, y'all. Like, who can possibly afford all of that? Who can possibly keep up and live up to the standard that the world would set for us as a man or a woman? Like, I can only imagine those lists are more prevalent and longer for the ladies in the room, right? There's no way we can live up to the standard that the world would set for us, so there's got to be a better way. And I think we have a better way that we're gonna see in Scripture tonight. And you can go ahead and be turning to uh, Psalm 139. It's going to be near the middle of your Bible, just to the left a little bit. Psalm 139 is where we're going to be. And what I want you to see tonight, look, y'all, we're in when 2022, where people are truly questioning their gender, and if it matches what they feel, um, they, they have questions about it. And I would impress upon you that the most important question any of us needs to be asking, whether this is something you wrestle with or not, um, the, the most important question we should all be asking about This particular area is just, what does God say about gender? Does he say anything about it? And if he does, what does he say, and what does that mean for my life? So tonight I want you to see, as we look at this psalm, you know, psalms sometimes can be like, man, I'm reading this, I don't really know what that has to do with my life, right? So uh, I want to walk through and give you a few just Bible reading principles, because my goal tonight is not to give you all the answers, uh, but to give you, uh, try to teach us a little bit how to look at the Bible, and then in a healthy way apply it to our lives. So I want to show some truths about God that this psalm reveals to us, and then what does that truth mean is true of me as well. So that's what we're going to see as we walk through this passage tonight. Psalm 139, uh, the first truth that we're going to see within here is that God knows all. We know that, right? Um, God knows all. Omniscient is the, the big fancy seminary word for it. God knows all, so therefore, he must know me. God knows me, right? So let's read Psalm 139 together. Psalm 139, verse one says this. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest, and you're aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me and you've placed your hand on me, this wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty and I'm unable to reach it. Those six verses there show us that God knows all and he knows you, right? Now, I started thinking about people like, okay, who, who are people that I know well? And Pastor Robbie would be one of those people. I, got to, I was fortunate to be his assistant for two and a half years uh, while I, when I first moved to Long Hollow. He's been my pastor and Rachel's pastor for over a decade now. We went to his church in Chattanooga. I can about quote you, his sermons to him before he says them, right? And I could really do his testimony for you if I really needed to. I could give you his full testimony up here. You know the drill. I left the hospital with four things. Oxycontin, Valium, Soma, and Percocet. And you know the story. I can do it for you if I needed to. Like, I know Pastor Robbie really well from watching him with his family and with his staff, spending a whole lot of hours traveling with him, all of that stuff. I know the guy well. But that pales in comparison, right, to how well I know Rachel, right? Essentially, I've known Rachel for just about the same period of time, but what's the difference? It's all the experiences we've had. We're married, we've had children together, we've bought houses together, we've bought cars, we've moved to new cities, we've taken new jobs. I know everything about her, right? Like I can finish her sentences for her if I need to. I know she likes Joanna Gaines more than she likes me and I'm okay with it. I know the parts of Friends each episode that she's gonna laugh out loud at before she laughs at them. Like I know everything about her. There is nobody on the planet that knows Rachel better than I do. And again, it pales in comparison to how well God knows us. And I know that sounds simple, right? Cause he's God, he's, you know, he knows you well. But like, actually think about that for a second. Verse 6, where David gets to, he's like, this doesn't even make sense to me. Like, this is a mind-blowing characteristic about God. The psalm says he searches us, he examines us, he sees our every move. Honestly, as I was reading it, I was thinking verse 3 sounds eerily similar to he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, right? It sounds a lot like that. Um, but he knows what you're about to say before you say it. He knows your past better than you know your, he knows your future better than you know your past. He knows us inside and out, infinitely better than we know ourselves. And this is not some kind of eye in the sky watching over you. It's not the internet who knows everything you say and do. It's not a a helicopter parent hovering over you, just watching to see him when to catch you when you're doing something wrong. Like, that's not the God that we're talking about. That's not the knowledge we're talking about. He knows you because, as we'll see in just a moment, he made you. It says he knitted you together. Like, he took the time to do that. He knows every part of you. And what David gets to in verse 6 is, wow, what a God. Like, this is hard to even comprehend in our human minds. Like, he knows everything about everything and every body. That's a praiseworthy God, right? God knows, he, he knows everything and he knows you. Like he has the knowledge of everything, but he takes the time to know you too, right? I hope you're encouraged by that. God knows all, he knows you. The second truth this psalm gives us tonight is that God is everywhere always. God is everywhere always, and if that's true, then that means that God is with me. So again, we've got this big-picture God, and we've also got the personal God who is there with you. Look back at verse 7. Verse 7 says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day, darkness and light are like to you. So God's presence is surrounding us at all times. There is nowhere you can go that you are outside of his presence. And and I don't know about you, when I think about that, there's part of that that's kind of sobering, right? There's part of it that's invigorating. So the, the sobering part of it, I'm thinking like, man... Every time I do something that I try to hide from the world that I don't want anybody to see that doesn't honor God, I may be able to hide it from everybody else. You may not know it, but God knows it, right? So even in your darkest moments, God's there. We we can't hide from him. But on the other side of it, the invigorating side, like, man, in the toughest moments of our lives, God is there. Like, he never leaves my side. He never lets go of me. And I hope something Pastor Robbie has been saying a lot here lately is encouraging to you. He said something that is outside of God's design is not outside of his redemption, right? So no, no matter how far you may stray from the Lord, you're never out of his presence. You are never too far gone, right? Because this, this is true of God. This is one of his characteristics we see in 2 Timothy 2. It just says, when we're faithless, he's faithful. I love that line. Well, what an encouraging line. Like, when I drop the ball, he never does. He's never going to let go of me, no matter how far we go. So I say again with a different tone this time, even in the darkest moments of your life, God's there. And he's not going to leave you. He's not going to let you go just because you're in a dark place. When we think about those two truths, that God knows all and he's everywhere always, So he knows me and he's always with me. When we think about those two things, we can tie it all back to what the next few verses say to us. And that's that God creates life. God creates life. And if that's true, then God created me. Again, big picture God, personal God for you tonight. The personal God. Look at verse 13 with me. And this is is the centerpiece of David's psalm here. This is what he's trying to build up to for all of us. Verse 13 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'll praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them Began, David has built and built up to the centerpiece of this psalm, which is God's creative control, right? Like he creates all things and that includes you and me. And down to the, to the smallest detail, the, the literal translation of inward parts there in verse 13, it's your kidneys. I don't know why David picked kidneys, but he picked something small inside of you that you can't even see. Like it's to the smallest detail, God designed you and made you with purpose. And I want you to see that like if he knit you together, as David described, that took time. Like there are no, I was joking with Aubrey earlier, there are no speed knitting contests, right? Like this is a deliberate, thoughtful process that God went, to, went through to put you together. He did it on purpose. He gave you exactly what you need when he puts you together inside your mother's womb. Here's what I want you to hear. If these things are true, even if you don't think that's true, follow my thought process for the rest of the time. But if that is true, then, then there's, we have obligations to God, right? Like there, there are implications from that. He gave us intent. He gave us purpose in the way he made us. And we're also obligated to him. Like he has authority over us. If you, if you create something, you have some authority over that, right? So, so if God did in fact create us, he has authority over the way we live. He gave you a particular body with a particular makeup, and whether that's your anatomy or your biology, he made it all. And he did it on purpose for a reason. And that reason is to display God's glory. Well, we'll see that again in just a second. So here's, I want to speak to two different audiences tonight. And the, to the, the first is just those of you who are comfortable with your gender. If you have no questions about it, you, you don't feel that strain at all. Um, if that's you, I just want to say that I, I understand that this this particular topic kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. And it did. This, this thing sped up real quick just a few years ago. Um, it can kind of feel unsure. It can feel like it's something I just I don't understand. I don't even know anybody that wrestles with it. It can feel really unknown and maybe uncomfortable because of that. And what I would say to you is this. Uh, you don't have to have all of the answers in order to help somebody take one step closer to Jesus. So, it's inevitable at some point down the road, you're gonna know somebody, you're gonna be neighbors with somebody or coworkers with somebody who does question their gender, or who has already transitioned or who's somewhere in that spectrum, right? And I want you to hear just, you don't have to have every answer to every question they have to help them get a little bit closer to Jesus, day by day, interaction by interaction with them. Your responsibility is not to suddenly sudden totally change their thinking and all of a sudden they're going to one direction and now they're going the other, that's God's job. Uh, your job is to be a light to them and to help them take a little step closer to Jesus all the time. The second thing I would impress upon you is just this. This is a group of people that is hurting. And without going into a bunch of statistics or anything like that, the, the, the rates of suicidal thoughts and of anxiety and depression amongst this group of people is high. So we ought to be a people, right, that no matter what the hurt is, we ought to be a people that runs to the hurting, this is not an area that we shy away from. This is an area that we run to as followers of Jesus, because we do have a source of life to offer them, right? This is not something we shy away from. We run to this. And honestly, a topic like gender identity, there's, there's part of me that's excited about this, because it's what it's going to force us to do as followers of Jesus. And this is really what we're going to get to next time we get together, and I'm already really excited about it, which is why I wanted to say something a little bit about it tonight. But... We got no choice but to lean on God's word and to lean into his Holy Spirit and to trust him, right? Like that's, that's the only option we got if we're gonna enter into these conversations and do it in a way that honors God. Because uh, when you're wondering how to interact with your coworker who, who's transitioning or your cousin who's a different gender now than when you grew up with, how do I interact with that person? Man, you're gonna have to trust God's word and trust his spirit in the moment. Or when you've got the really specific questions about, do I, do I refer to somebody as their preferred pronoun? Um, again, you're gonna have to trust the Spirit in that moment to lead you and guide you to know how to do that interaction in a Christ-honoring way. Here's my encouragement to you. If we can trust the Holy Spirit, if we think he's powerful enough to seal us for eternal salvation, if we believe that about the Holy Spirit, then you know, we can trust him in a moment of uncertainty in a conversation. If we can trust him with that, then we can trust him with this. And that, that's my encouragement to you. Until next time, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. He'll guide you in a, in a healthy way. Now, to those of you who may feel uncomfortable with your gender, the rest of you, don't tune out on this part. This, if it's not something you wrestle with, remember these things, and hopefully this can be helpful to you when you do have the interaction with that person. But if you do struggle with your gender, uh, I wanna say to you first that I believe you. Uh, I want you to hear that I hear you, I don't understand your feelings, but I don't uh, deny them either. Uh, I think that's important for you to hear from me, that I understand those feelings are there, I understand that confusion is there. But with those feelings, be patient as you make any kind of decisions about any steps towards transitioning. Um, I don't want you to rush through. This is is really something that I felt like God kept putting in my mind this week. Any situation in life, don't rush through a decision-making process trying to get to happiness on the other side when you don't know for sure that happiness is there. Don't rush through a decision-making process looking for happiness if you don't know for sure happiness is there. And I can tell you, the, the, only, <laughs> the only sure process you're going to find is transformation transformation through Jesus, right? Through the blood of Jesus that we just sang about. Uh, I do want to try to give you a few biblical responses to some questions that maybe you have or other people have. Um, one of those would be, why is it actually wrong to change my gender? Why, why is it actually a big deal? The first part of what I would say to that is just in Genesis 127, we see that God created male and female, and it says he did it in his image, right? God created male and female in his image. So just like our sexuality a couple weeks ago, all of this points back to God. Again, it's not about us, right? It's all about God and bringing glory to him. So uh, we are image bearers of his, and through our gender, through the gender he gave you, he wants to display aspects of himself to the world and wants us to put him on display through the gender he gave us because listen to me there was no heavenly coin toss that happened to decide which gender you were it was not an accident we saw earlier god knit you together it's this thoughtful process he declared you male or he declared you female and he has great things he wants to do through your life because of your gender not in spite of but because of your gender so simply put, when you take steps to identify as a different gender than your biological makeup that, that God gave you, what you're doing is you're, uh, you're going against his design for your body and for your life and for how he wants to display himself to the world. In essence, you're telling God he got it wrong. That's, that's why changing your gender is an offense to God. We're not going to tell him that he got it wrong, and here's my encouragement to you, your gender is a beautiful thing. It's a God-honoring gift given to you to reflect him to the world. And we can, we can make mistakes with gender in a lot of different ways, but there are two main ways that we do that. One is that neither gender is greater than the other or lesser than the other, right? And we're also wrong when we say that, uh, maybe, well, there are no differences. They're just, we're all the same. We function the same. We just look different that we can make the mistake on that side too. And I saw a quote from a guy named Andrew Wilson that I I think is helpful here. Andrew said this, if the way you're trying to show distinction actually degrades one gender, that's a failure. That's one that we probably see all too often in the church, right? That's a failure if we're we're degrading one gender. If the way you're trying to display equality actually erases distinction, that is a failure too. If we, can, if we can agree on those things, and again, maybe you don't agree with me right now. Follow my thought process. Follow my thought process here. Um, if we can agree with those things, and there are some actual tangible ways that we ought to display our gender to the world, right? Uh, our biological, God-given gender. Here, here's the thought process I'm working with. Because God is God, we let God determine our gender and then within your cultural context, you live out what that gender looks like. It starts with God, and then it moves into our culture. Because this could look different in different places around the world, right? There's no one set standard for what a man looks like or what a woman looks like. Um, and, and I think Scripture speaks to this in a couple of different places. The first one would be this, and you can just take notes on these. They're not going to be up on the screen, but the first would be Deuteronomy 22.5 which says a woman is not to wear male clothing and a man is not to put on woman's garments deuteronomy 22 5 the second one is this it's first corinthians 11 14 and 15 it says does not even nature itself tell you that if a man has long hair it's a disgrace to him but that if a woman has long hair it's her glory now again obviously there are there are cultural things at play here But the overall point is that we we shouldn't be trying to convince people of something that is actually not true about us according to God. That that lie being that my gender is different than my biological makeup. And and now, like I said, there's cultural context here. There's wiggle room in what this looks like. Like there is no mold of a man. There is no mold of a woman uh, as to what this looks like within our culture, I'm not saying if, you, if you're a female and you need to identify as a female, that means you wear heels and dresses everywhere you go. Right? Like, that's not what we're talking about. And we need, we, need, we need to give more wiggle room than we probably do at times. If you're a guy, you don't have to start carrying a pocket knife and watching football. Like, that's not what we're talking about. There, there's, there's a lot of leeway within what this means. It means you are embracing the gender that God gave you and displaying that uh, through your personality, right? And I'll, I'll let God lead you in exactly what that needs to look like in your life. Now, if this is you, I know this feels like a heavy burden you've been handed. I get that. Uh, I know it feels that way because it probably feels like nobody can relate to you. How do I even talk to somebody about this? Um, and if you're questioning your gender and you're trying to follow Jesus and figure out what he would have you do with your life, at some point you're going to ask the question why, right? Like, why was I given this to deal with? And not that you won't ever get the question to why, but y'all don't, don't wait on the answer to the question why before you decide what God wants you to do with your life. Like, at some point you're going to have to get to a place where you move past the why. And this, this y'all, this goes for any trial in life, really. You're going to have to get past the question of why to a different type of questions. Questions like, how is God trying to grow me through this? If you get stuck on why, y'all, you will stay at why forever. You've got to get past why. How is God trying to grow me through this? What attitude should I have in this trial? How do I honor Jesus with this difficulty? Those are the type of questions that are more helpful that we're probably going to find answers to better, right? Like we can take steps forward if we'll start asking questions like that. I want to challenge... Again, if this is you, I want to challenge you with a couple of questions tonight, and they, they come from a few different places in Scripture. And the first one is this. It's Jeremiah 1, 4. And again, if this is not you, I'm, I'm hoping to equip you guys tonight if this is not something that you struggle with. But Jeremiah 1, 4 says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. And I would challenge you as you, as you read that verse, would you trust God that God made you just the way you're supposed to be. He made you just the way you're supposed to be. Would you trust that he gave you exactly the physical makeup that you should embrace? Second scripture says this, Isaiah 55:8 eight and nine. It talks about our thoughts and our feelings some. It says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God talking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Would you trust that even if you have questions, that the answers are ultimately found in what God says about you? And would you trust that what God says in his word is more trustworthy than your feelings? Again, that goes for a lot of things, but specifically here, would you trust that God's word is more trustworthy than your feelings? Because here's the thing for all of us. No matter where you are on this particular issue, we've got to trust that what God says about us is true more than before we listen to any other voice in the world, right? Like don't allow culture to make you ask questions about any part of how he made you. He made you on purpose. He, he, he wants you to embrace the way he made you. And I've, I've been there in a different way. And I know, I know this is not a perfect parallel, but I've been there in a different way. Letting something make me ask questions about myself. And I know that that is not fun. Um, a couple of years ago on our staff, we went through a, a really thorough like, self-examination process, learning, to, learning ourselves better so that we can learn how to interact with our coworkers better. Um, and ironically, Connor and I got to sit at the same table all week. We didn't even know each other at all back then, hardly. Um, but then we got to know each other real well, and now we work together every week, which is pretty cool in my mind. But part of that process was taking the Enneagram. Is anybody like super excited that I just said the word Enneagram? I know some of you are. Whether, okay, we got one. Whether you're admitting it or not, some of you are really excited that I'm about to talk about the Enneagram. Um, I didn't have a clue what this test was. I'm sure all of you, we could talk about it later and I'll share numbers if we wanted to. I am a nine wing one. Anybody, any other nines in the room? See, there's another nine. I knew somebody else would be a nine. That makes me feel good about myself, right? Uh, I'm, I'm the peacemaker. That's what, that's what the nine is labeled, right? Uh, and as that, I didn't think much of it at the time, but as it became more a part of the uh, conversation and our staff, it became a regular part of our language. There was a big part of me that began to resent that number. And maybe this is a normal process after you've taken a test like that, but I, I really resented the fact that I was a nine right like I could only see the negative things about being a nine I could only see the ways that I had shortcomings because I was a nine I was stuck in the nine box I felt like I couldn't be a good leader because I was a nine and other leaders on our staff were not nines right like I I, I know it sounds dumb but like I genuinely started to feel like people looked at me and they saw a nine everything I do is because I'm a nine I can't do anything but what a nine does right that, that's how I started to feel. And I got so fed up with it that at some point there was one I told Rachel, I was like, I don't want to talk about this ever again. And I really meant that. Uh, I don't want to hear this. I don't want, I'm so much more than a nine, right? I and mean, I felt so stuck in what a nine was. And, and eventually, I think I've gotten past it. It may not feel that way at the moment. Um, but what I had to eventually realize this is where we get back to what we're talking about tonight. What I had to realize was that I was letting an impersonal test, an impersonal measurement that didn't know me at all, tell me who I was. That, that's really what it had become was I started to view myself. I thought everybody else saw me as a nine and then I started thinking, I'm just a nine. That, that's all I could see myself as, and, and I had to get to the place where I thought, man, I'm more than a nine, right? Like, I'm not a number. I'm a person created by God. My name's Dylan, and I have unique characteristics that God wanted me to have. I think in unique ways. I have all sorts of uh, aspects of my life that are unique because God wanted me to be this way. No matter what a test tells me, I, I'm my own person. I'm my own creation of God, and you are too. Like you are not just a set of characteristics, you are a unique, intentional creation from God. And he wants to do amazing things through your life because of how he made you. And you know, that includes your gender. He wants to do amazing things through you because of the way he made you. Because here's the thing: our God, praise God, is not a God of confusion. Culture. Culture is a God of confusion. It wants you to ask questions. Our God is a God of simplicity. He answers a lot of questions for us that we don't even have to wrestle with. Culture is a God of complication, right? <laughs> you can, if you're a guy and you like to cook or if you're a girl and you can't wait for Saturday to get here because college football starting at 11 a.m. here in the Central Time Zone, I'm thankful for that extra hour. But if that's you, you can probably find an article online that would tell you, man, if that's, if that's you, you might need to start at least asking the question a little bit like, man, does mine, do I feel like I'm the right gender? You can find something online to tell you that you need to start questioning. Or even if you're single, if you're just single, I know Pastor Robbie has mentioned it with his kids. I'm sure it applies to you guys too. There, you might feel the pressure to start to choose a letter from that LGBTQ plus acronym, right? Just because you're not dating anybody currently must mean you haven't figured out your true identity yet. That must be what that means. These are questions that you may never have come up with on your own, but all of a sudden they've entered your mind from some outside source, a link you saw, a post on social media. All those questions are not from God. Those questions are not from God. Here's the reality. Culture will tell you one thing today and tell you something different tomorrow. They're going to tell you, you ought to make one decision today. You ought to take this step today. And then tomorrow, when you've made that decision, he's going to make you question whether or not you should have made the decision, right? There's going to be all kinds of pressure. There's always going to be another letter to add to the acronym. There's always going to be new terminology for you to try to figure out exactly where you fit within a definition. You know, there, you don't, there's no definition that fits you perfectly. You are your own person. You know, the devil wants to steal your joy. This, I was thinking about this today. Was anybody here Sunday to hear Pastor Ed Newton's sermon? Talked a lot about literally the devil and his minions and the way he operates. Please hear this. The devil hates you. He does not want you to follow God because he knows that that is good for you. He wants you to ask all sorts of questions and constantly be in confusion and never feel settled and never have peace. That's what your enemy wants for you. And he will steal your joy by filling your mind with questions. That's one of the tactics he uses, right? He wants to fill your mind with questions. But praise God, we we have a source of information that doesn't change. We have a constant in our lives, right? We have a constant voice that always speaks the same thing over our lives, always speaks the same thing about us and those around us. And the, the picture that always comes to mind for me with this uh, is it's just a picture of an anchor, right? If it, if we see this in scripture in Hebrews 6, 19. Quiz Ford in the lobby later. This is the first verse we taught him. If you ask him what Hebrews 6:19 is, he'll know it. We want him to know this verse because I want him to come back to it over and over and over again and be reminded of of the truth about the faith that we have in Jesus. The verse says this, Hebrews six nineteen just says, we have this hope, the, the hope of Jesus. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. The anchor holds tight to us. We see these principles within the psalm. The anchor holds tight to us. The anchor keeps us grounded. The anchor doesn't let us be tossed around. The anchor helps us stay put no matter what is going on in the world around us. And y'all, the anchor is Jesus. That is the only thing that we can hold tight to that is never going to change, never going to tell us anything different. Jesus doesn't move. He does not flinch in the face of culture. He doesn't change because of popular opinion. Jesus holds tightly to us. He does not let go, just like we've seen here. Jesus knows us, and he never changes his mind about us. So we shouldn't change our minds about ourselves, and I hope as you think about Jesus in this way, that you that I hope it stirs up emotions in you. I hope it does, Um, because that's what it's done for David. I think as he wrote this psalm, you'll notice he essentially goes back to verse one at the end of this psalm here, and that's where I want us to land tonight, because that's where David landed. This psalm has built up praise for God and talked about how amazing God is, how he created us, how he knows us, how he's all, He's everywhere all the time, right? Praise God. And that's the place David gets to. And I think as we get to verses 23 and 24 at the very end, it's as if David is saying, God, look, I know you know me. And the more I've thought about you, the more I've written about you, the more I want to live a life that honors you. God, I know you know me, but I need to know me. I need you to show me what's true of myself. I think that's the place David got to in this psalm, and that's the place I want us to get to tonight. So that's what I want to pray over you guys as we close. I want you to go ahead and bow, and I want to pray this over you. And I, I want you to pray this with me over your own life. And whether, whether it's your gender that you have questions about or whether it's some other aspect of your identity, I want you to pray this over your life. It's just verses 23 and 24 of the Psalm. It says this Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. He's asking him to point these things out to him. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. I'm going to read that one more time over you Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me because I don't want it to be there, God. Lead me in the everlasting way. God, that is truly our prayer tonight. We pray that you would search us and know us and we know you do and would you show us things about ourselves. Would you help us to know ourselves better and would you help us to trust you more and trust the way that you made us. God, I know there's a lot of hurt around this topic and I pray that you would provide comfort and peace tonight. Lord, as followers of you, as we walk out and we uh, have interactions and relationships with people who who struggle with this, would you help us to be an encouragement to them, a light to them, to show them the love of Christ, to show them people that will enter into their lives that won't shy away. God, I pray that you would provide empowerment tonight through your spirit to, to walk out into the world confident in who you made us, and confident that you did it perfectly, Lord. God, thank you for taking the time to knit us together. We love you, God. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.